felt like things had improved. I thought I felt we're we're on a we're on a good path here, and uh, this time surely going to be a yes. And it was a no. <laughs> so uh, we're we're at we're at two over, times over two. no. Yeah, over two. <laughs> and so I, I guess as a testimony to um, to one of my favorite words, and that is perseverance. Uh, I decided to give it one one more go, one more try, and. Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Ministers. How are you today, Alc? Uh, I'm doing good. It's another beautiful day. Had some uh, emergencies this morning with our furnace going out and our, our <laughs> chimney being clogged and smoke in the house, and it was just a, a fun morning, but uh, we got it fixed, and so yeah. <laughs> our family's warm and they're, they're, they're cozy in the house now around the fire, uh, and we'll get the furnace fixed soon. Yep. <laughs> They'll have a story to tell of their... Uncle Kevin on top of the roof, tied into a rope, two feet of snow, sliding down to the chimney to clean it. Yeah. <laughs> we won't tell him that you dropped the chimney sweep in the... Hey, sh- you're not supposed okay. to tell him that part. <laughs> it's fixed. Yeah, hey, it's fixed. Thank you. <laughs> we are very excited to introduce Mr. Jim Palmer. Mr. Palmer was baptized Easter Sunday, 1978, in Gragg Avenue Church Christ in Memphis, Tennessee. Jim entered into ministry shortly after being baptized. Mr. Palmer is a co-founder of Focus Pressed. Mr. Palmer helped lead youth on VBS missions trips along with being an active organizer for disaster relief in the Gulf of Mexico. Mr. Palmer, we're so happy that you're flexible to our emergencies and that we are here sitting down talking to you right now. Well, it's good to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're excited to hear your story. Let's hop right in. How were you brought up? So I was... I guess you would say raised in the church. My parents were uh, were Christians uh, when I was born and went to church for for as long as I have a memory. Where was this at? It was in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, originally, uh, first my first memories are of uh, East Fraser Church of Christ, and then uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Gregg Avenue Church of Christ, where my dad's parents were his, uh, the rest of, as well as the rest of his family, and uh, ultimately my mom's mother and father-in-law, uh, I'm sorry, mother and stepfather, uh, ultimately became members as well. And what did you do for fun in Memphis, Tennessee growing up? I, I grew up playing sports. That was my, that was my main go-to. Uh, sports, video games, back in the day, Atari 2600. <laughs> <laughs> For the win. <laughs> In fact, um, I recently uh, got a, a, an Atari 2600-like game for uh, me and my youngest daughter to play. And so we've been going back through and playing some old games and having fun with it. Well, she, did she like it or she's like, Dad, this is pretty lame? No, she, well, I mean, both. <laughs> <laughs> both pretty lame at times and also um, enjoys playing it. Yeah, you really have to have a active imagination to play some of those older games. Uh, they're pretty limited on what they can show you <laughs> absolutely but but it's but it's at my speed and so there i can you know. uh you know some of the some of the video games today just not uh not i just can't play them but, what was your favorite game on the atari I, space invaders was a good one um some some of the esoteric games i, I can't remember some of the names but there was one that you, know, you 
it was sort of Space Invaders like, but you you shot hamber you shot hamburgers instead of uh, and I don't know various foods I think, but <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah, fun. What about sports? Which sports did you play? My main sport was basketball. Yeah, I played that uh, from organized from fourth grade through high school. Uh, that was my favorite. Played some soccer. Played some baseball. Uh, played football, but not on the high school team. Um, my parents decided that it wasn't a good idea for me to play uh, organized football, you know, where they had pads and helmets. But So we just went down the street and played in the yard with, with no, no pads, no helmets. <laughs> it's so much safer. <laughs> much safer, yeah. <laughs> Full tackle, I mean, yeah. the whole thing. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've wondered about that one. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was for my best. <laughs> what position did you play in basketball? Uh, shooting guard mainly. Yeah, some point guard, mainly shooting guard. I was a little taller, uh, you know, and so people would try to put me at uh, at forward from time to time. But just, I wasn't really used to that at all. Uh, Magic Johnson fan, so you know, kind of <laughs> a, ta- a taller, uh, taller, <laughs> taller shooting guard. So yeah. I enjoyed that. It was fun. So you were baptized in Gregg Avenue Church of Christ. How old were you? So I was I was eight when I was baptized. What convicted you at eight years old to put Christ on? You know, I think it was the uh, the, the quality of preaching that I heard, as well as um, as my parents' influence. I was, I guess, you would consider uh, a mature eight, um, and I I, I recall uh, thinking about being baptized and and telling my parents that I think it's time for me to be baptized and and. I actually don't remember all the details of it, but they talked with me about it, not dissuading or persuading, but just talked with me about it. And I decided not to for a few weeks. And then it uh, just was still on my heart to do, and I decided that it was time. Yep, you had to do it. Had to do it. And yeah, I, I remember uh, sitting on the, the front row um, with the preacher, uh, Keith Mosier, and um, – you know, I was I was eight, so you know, looking back, they're like, "That's just a little kid." Uh, you know, what's he doing? What's he doing up here? And I'm sure that's what was being thought by a lot of people. And uh, in fact, uh, I recall uh, Keith Mosier looking back at my parents, kind of like, "You sure about this?" And uh, I, I don't know if that was the if that was the question, but that was kind of the question that that I thought might be being asked. And um, they they gave the go ahead, and and so we went we went forward with it. And you know it was it was a it was a wonderful a wonderful day, something that I'll never forget. Um, in fact, I, one thing you know again, I was uh, making a, a lifelong decision with eternal consequences, and um, but but I was also eight, and um, so I recall the weather forecast for that day was it was supposed to be cloudy and rainy, and. Um, we, you know, I was of course baptized. We got out of we we got out of worship and we're headed home. And I just recall the the clouds parting, and it was a beautiful afternoon, and I got to go outside and play basketball. There you go. And so I thought, man, <laughs> this is great. This is wonderful. This is a great day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think that sometimes the outside looking in, people can be too judgmental. Like you don't know where that child is or where their heart is or. Sure where they're, you know, upbringing, what brought them to that point. We've heard several stories on the, the podcast of people that were baptized at eight or around there. Sure, yeah. 
have no second thoughts. They knew what they were doing. And it's better to let them make that decision than, you know, discourage them and then it never happens. That's right. Yep. So you have to find that, that fine line of, you don't want to discourage them, but you also want to make sure they know what they're doing. And that's, that's hard. I mean, my son is eight uh, and having some, some of these serious conversations with him and it's like, Mm -hmm. well, it's just not quite there yet, maturity sure. wise. But mm-hmm. others that I've talked to uh, in his, his class at school and at, at, at worship and different places like that, it's like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe they would be. And, and, and you just have to. Everybody's different. I mean, there's there's that aspect of all life. You know, if we were all the same person, life would be very boring. <laughs> yes. There you go. There you go. So you said very you got individualized, uh, very individual choice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you said you got to work. Right after that, they, they put you right to work. What were you doing right away? Put to work right away. Um, as I recall, uh, it was, it was you know, in my mind, it was, it, was, it was weeks. It could have been months, but uh, I was uh, encouraged or uh, tasked with uh, giving uh, a sermon one Sunday night. Um, it was one of the, you know, it, was a, it was a team effort. So I think there were maybe three of us who gave short, snippet sermons. So I recall that that was very, very soon uh, after being baptized. And then additionally, we, uh, one of the training uh, opportunities that they provided for, for young men was to um, offer the Lord's Supper uh, on Sunday evenings for those who were not able to be there on Sunday mornings. And so um, I and another young man would, would tag team and do that. At the time, we also offered a uh, before, like a, an early, early service, like like 5 a.m. service for people who went to work on Sundays. And um, it would rotate among the, the, the men of the congregation, but my dad would take me, and we would, we would perform the uh, worship or guide the worship for the, the people who were going to work early. Who would you say was your mentor at the time? At that time, uh, well, you know, my dad, mm-hmm. uh, very influential. And then uh, Keith Mosier, uh, the preacher at the time. And and then uh, I still recall uh, my fourth grade teacher, uh, Miss Pirtle. She was, uh, she was strong. Yeah, it's crazy how those Sunday school teachers, for me, not really being a, a preacher, but every once in a while getting up there, like I'll remember those things they taught me, and then I'll have to tell the audience, well, Thanks to you, Sunday school teachers, this is all I remember. The lettuce you have to remember the lettuce every time you read lettuce in the Bible, it's good for you. It's like a salad, lettuce. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just get the head shakes from him. Yes, (laughs) because I was in all the same classes. (laughs) You're just mad. I stole the material before you used it. That's all. remember that one <laughs> so as we're going forward in your life right now you're getting into high school what were you said your interests were sports any other interests at the time that was my main interest sports i, I love sports uh you know i i was i was good at school i uh, i made mostly a's in school um, but it wasn't something that i applied myself to you know if i could go back i would i would do better at that i would actually you know study and try to learn some things <laughs> <laughs> rather than just pop, try to pass tests just pass it yeah <laughs> but uh, you know i was i was i just loved to to be outside um i, I loved to be outside and um you know whether i was uh, with my friends you know playing 
basketball or whatever whatever sport was in season, that's what we played. Um, or if I was, you know, alone, you know, making up a making up a game, it was sports. You know, whether it was kicking a football or you know, playing playing basketball, one on one on zero, uh, you know. <laughs> um, and so that was I was very active with that. But also, um, I started to work pretty early. Uh, whether it was you know, cutting lawns uh, or uh, my, my first, I guess, official job was as a piano mover. Uh, at uh, <laughs> so you're uh, you're a burly eight year old. Yeah, this was this was yes, fast yes, forward yes. a few years. Yeah. But, yeah. But really, I was only I think it was like fourteen when yeah. I started. Oh, wow, that. yeah, that's impressive. So <laughs> it's amazing what you can do uh, <laughs> with with leverage. Yeah, and it's not all uh, not about the strength. Were you at the same congregation in high school? So let's see. When we transitioned, we were at we were at Gregg Avenue uh, from age eight until I guess around fourteen, fifteen, and then we moved to uh, Cordova, Tennessee, which was just outside of Memphis. So we we moved to the country, and um, so from about age fifteen. Through the rest of high school, we were at, I was at Cordova Church of Christ. And what inspired the move? Uh, my parents were ready to kind of get out of the city. They, they wanted a little. They wanted a little bit of the the, the green acres, uh, you know, uh, an acre of land, uh, an acre of land, and you know, uh, some some ducks and you know some chickens and things like that. So that's what we did. Were you happy with the move? Yeah, I was fine with it. I was fine with it. Yeah, I, I liked being out. I liked, like I said, like being outside. And so this was a, you know, I had a little more outside to be in. So did your responsibilities change within the church when you changed congregations or were you still at work? They, they just, they just transitioned to the new congregation. It was, it was more of the same opportunities, whether it was, uh, helping with helping with worship or helping with service activities, pretty similar experience. Just you know, at an older age and able to with a little more responsibility. Where did you go after high school? You know, I, I was born and raised in Memphis and stayed there until I was around thirty. So it was it was more Memphis after high school. I went to the University of Memphis, Memphis State at the time. So I went to University of Memphis, and that's where I graduated. Play, did you play sports in college? Uh, no, no, no more sports. And I mean, I I still played, but no. yeah, intramurals and yeah, that kind of thing. What did you study in uh, university? I started out with the uh, with the grand plan of being a uh, an ophthalmologist, uh, an eye surgeon. And uh, after about the first semester, I realized that maybe that wasn't the the course that I wanted to take. Uh, after I ran into the the walls of biology and chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> and the um um yeah you know, I, I guess what happened was my my past kind of caught up to me where i was not uh, a, a huge fan of of applying myself to to studying and and that type of thing and with the newfound freedom of uh of being at a college instead of uh, at a high school where you're you you are assigned where you're to be at all times in college they didn't care if you went to, to class. Your teachers, you know, just, they didn't, you didn't get in trouble, so yeah. to speak. They got paid anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> and so once I went armed with that knowledge, uh, the game room at college became my, my, my friend, the uh, ping pong pool and video games. And, you know, you, you mean I can go there instead of going to class? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the let's do it mentality um, was my downfall uh, because you know, one, one class led to two, led to ten, and then the test comes and, oh, man, I'm not ready for this test. And so the, 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 the bad grades started to, to roll in that first semester. And, and I, was on, I was on a full scholarship. And uh, found myself uh, shortly thereafter, i.e. after the first semester, on um, uh, academic probation, they call it. Yep. I'm familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you've been there. I I'll, know. I've, I've, I'm, it's like a very similar story. I'm hearing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just don't apply myself. I'll just skate by. Just be in the game room. Like All these things. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're oh, right there. <laughs> been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that if you don't go to college. <laughs> <laughs> So after after that first semester, I decided to uh, rethink my life. <laughs> I, I still remember having the, you know, getting the getting that re- re- the report card, and the you know basically the the, the stamp of you know academic probation, and uh, at risk of losing the scholarship, and you know having to talk to my parents about that, and um, expecting. Uh, wrath uh, from my dad in particular uh, and and why not you know as well I should have expected that right and uh, we talked about it and um, I was I'm to this day somewhat shocked um, but also being a dad now not as shocked uh, that I received mercy instead of wrath and um, uh, I rethought my path and uh, got my act together and um, maintained my scholarship and got my grades back up, and everything was great. I did choose a different path. I did not. Yeah, I, I did say, not so become an ophthalmologist. <laughs> 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 I decided to go uh, in the direction of of finance. I, I thought about accounting, which my dad was a CPA. Uh, I thought about going that direction, but ultimately, business uh, was the direction. I just chose uh, finance over. Uh, over accounting. So going from college, you're still in Memphis, Tennessee. What was next? Did you go back home? Did you get your own place? What? Yeah, I, uh, so I started uh, actually dating uh, my uh, would-be wife, uh, Cindy, uh, when I was, I guess, 16 or 17, and she was 15 or 16, and uh, we met at uh, the church, uh, Cordova Church of Christ. And we started dating while uh, we were both in high school. And we continued dating while I was in college and she was in high school. And then we continued dating while we were both in college. And we ultimately got married while we were still in college. And so, yes, I was still living at home uh, until uh, we got married. And then uh, we had a one-bedroom apartment that we moved into. And um, she took a a pause for... um, continuing her college. I finished mine and then she went back and finished hers after that. So we have to hear the, the story of how you met. You you can't just 
breeze right Fast past forward through all yeah, that. Yeah, you go on. There's, there's a story there. There will be a test at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, she's going to listen to this. I know, right? I feel like I'm on like that, uh, that newlywed game. You know? yeah. Do I have the right answers? <laughs> so, uh, like I say, we, we met when my family started to go to uh, Cordova to worship. And we at first we were visiting to, to see if that was where we would be. And, um, you know, I, I remember um, seeing her in the um, uh, parking lot for the, I think that was the first time that I saw her and uh, thinking, you know, that's a, that's a nice looking lady. <laughs> you I think right I, away. I think I would like to uh, make her acquaintance. <laughs> and uh, so once we did decide, my family, once my parents decided that that's where we were going to uh begin worshiping uh we were it was a it was a, a high school class that was probably you know two or three grades in, inclusive so we were in the same in the same classes and uh ultimately you know we became became friends became friendly and i decided that i would would ask her out and her reply was uh in in no short order was uh was no <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, things are going well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Change churches. (laughs) (laughs) Right. What are we doing here? And it was, it was, it was shocking. Uh, You know, that was the first time that I'd uh, ever asked a girl out and and they'd said no. And uh, so I didn't know what to do with myself. So I um, um, went back to my corner and uh, rethought things. And we proceeded with we proceeded with life for a, a few weeks or months uh, when I decided to to give it another shot because I felt I felt like things had improved. I thought I felt we're we're on a we're on a good path here, and, and uh, this time surely going to be a yes. And it was a no. Uh, so uh, we're we're at we're at two o- times two. no, yeah, <laughs> over two. And so I, I guess as a testimony to um, to one of my favorite words, and that is perseverance. Uh, I decided to give it one one more go, one more try, and um, this was over a course of several more months, and uh, ultimately got got my first yes, and uh, so we so we we went out to it was my uh, high school homecoming, that was our first date, so finally got the yes, and the rest is history. Yeah, third time's a charm, right? I, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking at the time, you know, we're, we're kind of we're operating, you know, being a sports guy, I was kind of operating under the well, three strikes and you're out. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was one or the other. So. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So that's where that's how it happened. So going out of college, did you get a job right away in finance? I did. Yeah, I I was working at a uh, an automotive paint company through through college. And they had wanted me to go into um, a managerial position, but it was going to require a move. So I, I wanted to look for something else, and I, I really enjoyed finance. And so uh, my first job out of college actually was in finance, and that's you know effectively where I am still today. Uh, first jo- first job was at uh, First Tennessee Bank, yeah, in their in their bond division which was uh, you, when you hear uh, the term or the phrase stocks and bonds, uh, I worked on the bond side of, of that equation. Yeah, I just think of 007. You know. <laughs> right. Bond, yeah. J- well, I mean, James Bond, that's, uh, I guess that's me. Yeah. <laughs> the eagle has landed. <laughs> <laughs> 
So were you still worshiping at the same congregation your parents were at? Still at Cordova. Yes. And still same responsibilities. Were you teaching classes or? Yeah, teaching classes, uh, working, working some with, with the youth and, uh, and working with, um, uh, with a a a group, an unorganized, but but ultimately, you know, when the time came for us to be organized, uh, an organized, um, disaster or hurricane relief effort, um, we we ran a couple of those. One down in uh, Destin, Florida, uh, when a hurricane came through, and then another one in North Carolina. So, you know, the the responsibilities were were broadening as uh, as opportunities presented themselves. How was those you know efforts? Did you actually go to the location to help? Yes, the relief? Yeah. yes, we did. Yeah, we we got a team together, um, got our chainsaws and our tools and um and and went down and and started trying to help clean up and and dig people out and we worked with with a couple of the the local congregations there to to help um you know spur that effort along and what did you think of that work oh quite fulfilling yeah it's 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 great to you know put your hand to the plow and and really just uh you know put your back into it and um relieve people's burdens to the to the best of your ability was this around the time you were doing the vbs with the youth group as well or is that later that, yeah that it, it was all it was all right around that same time so when did focus press become a thing so focus press became a thing um much later um but interestingly the uh one of the people who was involved with um both of those disaster relief efforts, as well as the uh, Vacation Bible School, the mission effort in uh, Sholo, Arizona, uh, was a guy by the name of Brad Harrop. And that's where I, I got to know Brad at that time. Our lives went in a couple of different directions. Uh, he went to Alabama. Uh, I went to um, Los Angeles. Uh, but we, we remained friends during that time, and were um, we, we would always talk about ways that we thought we could help the church and our lives found their way back together in the Nashville, Tennessee area around 2005. And we continued our discussions about what we thought we could possibly do. And we came up with the idea of, of focus press and in particular, the kind of the, the flagship offering, if you will, was uh, think magazine. And with, so the, the ideas of focusing and, and thinking were our, were our themes, you know, and, and the idea of the admonition of, of thinking on good things. There's enough bad to think about in the world. And so we wanted to uh, help people focus and think on good things. Anything from your past that really made you focus on that? I, I, I can't say necessarily, um, I, I can't put my finger on, on one particular thing other than you know, just just ha- helping people and 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 wanting to have good content um, to center our minds on. Obviously, we have we have the scriptures, um, but like the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, reading in Isaiah, how can I understand unless somebody helps me? And so we wanted to kind of be that, come alongside and help. You know, virtually via the via the magazine and the and the website and that type of thing. And you said that you were 
involved with those articles, and then you even did some recordings? Uh, yeah. Well, yes, there were uh, – you know, I guess our our model was to have the have the magazine, and then also uh, one of one of the big things that we did were uh, weekend seminars. So uh, Brad would go out and speak on, uh, I guess, apologetics, sort of um, uh, creation, and then those types of those types of things. And mine was finance, and other other people had uh, other focuses that they would that they would offer with regard to kind of weekend seminars and rallying people to, to, to think on these things. How was that received? Very well received uh, with a, with a hunger, I would say. You see, you were really busy. Quite busy. Yes. How long, how long did that last for? Well, it, it still goes on. The work still goes on. Uh, I was, I worked with the organization uh, was a part of the organization for about three years. Yeah, there's just such a there's such a vast amount of just terrible things in the world. Uh, TV shows and movies and magazines and all these things that we are bombarded with as a society, especially here in the United States, and just having just just a just a refuge, just a just a something that's better than you know because like you said I I can spend all my time in the scriptures and that's 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 great you should you should be spending all of your time in the scriptures but like you're saying having the just that supplemental guide that little extra push and and those little things like your focus on on the finance part of it a lot of the times uh, unfortunately you know we think of the church our church life and then our our secular life and their secular life that's where our finances come involved that's where all these things come in it's like no, these are all intermingled together, and we need to look at it as as a unit and not as separate entities. And uh, Focus Press, and especially your work there in the finances, really opened probably a lot of people's eyes and to, to be thinking about those things. And you know, <laughs> think and focus. It's like <laughs> I wonder if you had like a plan when you went along <laughs> with this. But it's like, it, yes, we have to think about those things because if we don't, what's going to happen? We're, we're just going to. Uh, it's either going to fall apart around us and we're going to throw our hands up and say, oh, we can't fix this or we just won't even touch it or we'll ignore it and ignore the problem. It'll go away. It's like, man, all these answers are not answers. And so having that biblical point of view on just basic life things like our finances is very important. I mean, it's a very good work for sure. Well, thank you. That's, I mean, that, and that was the, that was the, the, the idea behind it um, was that, a, a, a biblical worldview is is essential. Um, God left us the scriptures uh, to guide us, um, to guide us through this life and into eternity, and to keep what's most important most important. And you know, the the Bible is a, a relatively short book, but also it's it's a big book and it's full of. Uh, so much information, so much knowledge, so much wisdom that sometimes it's it's nice to uh, to have it in a in a distilled form or in a in a focused um, approach. And our idea with with Think Magazine was to try to make it appealing uh, on a on a mass scale with um, attractive visuals, uh, something that if it were if 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 the magazine were on a magazine stand at Barnes and Noble. Uh, it would catch someone's eye. Someone you know who's 
not a Christian, someone who is a Christian. Just, it would just catch a, a human being's eye, and they would uh, want to know more. And so they would pick it up, and they would start you know, looking, and they would start reading, and they would get a taste of a, of a biblical worldview on on really any topic. Our, our, our plan was to, to cover any topic of life. And so I, I think uh, to a large degree, we, we accomplished that in, you know, to, in, in the first three years that I was there. There was no topic that was off limits, and um, we tried to, to help guide people's thoughts uh, through the scriptures, through the prism of the, of the scriptures. Uh, to see you know, how to apply them in real life circumstances, because you know there's there's theory and then there's practice, and um, ultimately, I, I don't want to see the church thought of as a uh, as just a group of good people getting together and talking about the Bible as though it were um, a group of nice people in a book club. I want it to be um, thought of as people who actually believe what they're studying and what they're talking about, and they're believing it in such a way that it impacts their actions, their their actual day to day lives. Um, yeah, that's that's essentially what what faith is, right? Where you uh, you have a belief and you allow it to affect your behavior. So going, you went to LA. We kind of skipped. Yeah, yeah. You kind of went through it. What, what took you to LA? So I, I, I was working at First Tennessee Bank at the time. Uh, we we were called uh, First Tennessee Capital Markets, the group that I was with, and we work with banks and credit unions all over the country. And management decided that they wanted to open a, a Los Angeles office, and so I was asked uh, was one of the people who was asked to go out there and help anchor that that office. And so, uh, my wife and I, and our two oldest girls moved to the Los Angeles area shortly after nine 11. Uh, it was in January of 2002 that we, that we moved out there and, uh, we began working with uh, a small congregation. Uh, it was the Hawthorne church of Christ. And, you know, in, in some ways it was, um, a, just like many congregations across the United States, particularly on the coast, but it's 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 coming you know, from from east and west and working its way inward, uh, a bit of a mission point, a bit of a mission field, uh, because at the time it was a congregation of um, well while we were there it was a congregation of about sixty. Uh, at one time, I think they had you know, been in the three or four hundred range. Um, back in the heyday, but yeah, my I, I went out there to to work with um, uh, work in finance and help anchor that office. So we were out there for about three and a half years. Did you enjoy your time in California? It was great. Uh, you know, the kids were the kids were young. Um, in fact, our in fact our youngest uh, child was born. Uh, Mia was born in uh, in California. So she was born uh, in June of 2002, and uh, so that was an interesting, interesting time. Yeah. Moving out there with uh, with Cindy, expecting, and then uh, having having her out there, a whole new experience. And you went back to Tennessee. 
then back to Tennessee. We moved to the Nashville area. Uh, grew up in Memphis. We moved back to the Nashville area, and uh, we were there for 14 years. What brought you to Colorado? So we came to Colorado as a result of my middle uh, daughter uh, coming to culinary arts school here. We were at a place where we could uh, – my job was such that I could, could work from anywhere that there's you know tech, technology, uh, phone, internet. So really nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> nowhere, <laughs> everywhere, yeah. <laughs> and so um, – and we were at a place uh, at, a, at a point in our lives where we had been, we had been visiting Colorado pretty regularly during the summers. And I thought, you know, that would be a neat place to, to, to be for a more extended time. And uh, when uh, Albany started culinary arts school out here, we thought this, this, could be, this could be it. And so we just decided to, to come out here and, and give it a shot. Of course, we, we visited some congregations first to make sure that we could um, you know, work and worship somewhere. And, and we, were, we felt very blessed to, to be able to find some place. Going back to Nashville, we actually um, – we we moved there specifically to uh, be a part of uh, the Creve Hall Church of Christ. While we were in California, uh, of course the the girls were young, and but growing, and we visited uh, the Nashville area, and we visited Creve Hall in particular, and it was a it was a large large congregation, lots of uh, kids. Uh, lots of uh, lots of peers, and again, we were at a, at a smaller congregation of about sixty in California, and we just thought, you know, this this would be a great place to to bring up the kids, to bring up the girls, and have them experience something similar, you know, to perhaps to what to what we did. And so when we when we when we experienced uh, Creve Hall, we decided to to try to make that try to make that move and. Um, God blessed us with the opportunity to, to, to go there. It wasn't without uh, without its difficulties. Um, of course, I was I was working in California, and management at, at at the bank was they were quite pleased with me being in California, and they weren't necessarily supportive of a, of a move to uh, Tennessee. They didn't see the point of that. Um, but God made it happen. After uh, after after them thinking about not letting me go, and me just saying, "Well, I think I I think I'm going to be going anyway," uh, they changed their mind, and all of a sudden we had an office in in Nashville. So it so, worked after all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then engaged right away with that congregation. Yes. Yes. Still doing the the same things, teaching and any anything else besides like. Deaconship, or uh, yes, I was I was asked to be a deacon uh, at at well at at Cordova and then also at uh, at Creve Hall. So I served as a deacon in both of those both of those congregations. Cool. When you look back over your life, obviously we have valleys, right? For so sure, we have highs and lows. So we'll start with the lows first. So when you look back, what were those lows that were that were hard for you coming through? How far back are we going? It's wherever you want to go. <laughs> I tend to believe that our life is, um, it has the opportunity to be cumulative in, um, in knowledge and wisdom. 
and we have the opportunity to experience um, a variety of challenges. And, and and again, this is this is perhaps just my perspective because this is kind of the way it's happened for me. Uh, but being active in sports, and I, I like I like working out. I like weightlifting. You know, you don't just walk into a, a gym and settle under a um, barbell with 300 pounds on it and, you know, crank out some bench presses. At least I don't. I don't you know, you, <laughs> uh, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> no, I don't either. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't even know what a barbell is. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. It's a, it's a shaving cream. <laughs> so so you, you, you've got to start a little lighter than that and then work your way up. And, you know, in, in, in my life, I, I think I have experienced what I thought were existential crises, um, whether it's in, uh, in business or in life on a number of occasions. And, you know, an existential crisis is where, you know, your, your very existence is in question. Uh, I, I say that somewhat tongue in cheek because looking back, those what I thought were existential crises were, I mean, just nothing by comparison to what I've experienced later and what other people have experienced. Um, but to me, in the moment, they were you know, life and death, just like you know, getting under that barbell uh, could be life or death, um, unless you have a, a, a nice spotter. <laughs> and God was always there as the spotter through these uh, through the, these varieties of um, of crises. And so I say all that to say that uh, I'm actually in a bit of a valley right now, um, business-wise. And I've been through this before. Uh, I've been through uh, varieties of, of these. And to a lesser degree in the past and maybe to a larger degree currently, but I think all of those lesser degrees times uh, were – preparing me for now. So whereas now I feel like it's uh, a 300 pound barbell, um, the, in the past they were, you know, only 100 pounds. And then it was the next time it was 150 and the next time it's 200. And this one feels like 300. Um, but I've always had a spotter and I've always been able to, um, you know, ultimately get the, the weight back up onto the rack. And so, you know, what's different this time? I don't. I don't think it is. I think it's just a matter of time before the you know the weight gets gets up and back on the rack, and that's that's how uh, I've managed to um, think through these things and and think through those valleys. Is you know each one that I've been through prior has prepared me for this one. It's having peace that passes understanding, right? That 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 certainly adds to it. Yeah, that that is. I think that's part of that piece that that surpasses the understanding because if you if you look at it at on, on at face value, it's like that's that's not good. <laughs> um, but to be able to have peace in the midst of it, and not always, not 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 every moment of my day is peaceful, but but sort of the the, the resting place uh, would be in in peace uh in in the in the peace of of um god's faithfulness 
certainly certainly not mine, but but definitely his. Yeah, and looking back at the those bad those, those we we you know we call them those bad events in our lives, and we look back at them and go, huh, well, that prepared me for this, and then right. that one prepared me for this, and so God using those terrible events in our lives to prepare us for maybe now, maybe tomorrow, uh, and have that attitude of okay, this is just life. We're gonna get through it, and I'm as long as I stay connected to. God, my spotter, in your analogy there, as long as I can stay connected to the spotter, we're good. Uh, and maybe he's preparing me for something more. And I hope not, you know, but if that's the case, so be it. And I'll just stay connected to him because the moment you abandon that spotter, you turn your back on him and say, I got this. That's when disaster really strikes. That's when, you know, it falls in your face and you can get really hurt. And so, Stay connected to the source of the power. Stay connected to uh, God. I think is what I'm hearing from your uh, your analogy there. Yeah, it's important. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. You know, I, I'm not saying that that God brings these things into our lives, but I'm saying that He uh, can use them um, for our betterment and ultimately for His His glory because they're they're great times to. Um, to grow closer to God, you know, when everything's when everything's great, sometimes we can be forgetful and forget where that greatness is coming from. And when things get a little more difficult, um, you find yourself, or I find myself, uh, leaning into Him a little bit more. And it's during those difficult times where, just like just like with the the, the weight analogy, it's during those difficult times when you're under that weight that's that's when you're growing. You know, and and so I'm not saying that I that I, I relish the valley moments. I would much rather be on the mountaintop. But uh, you know, the valleys are are when I've seen some of my my best growth. And I think I think ultimately it's it's you know, for for my better that I go through these. When those valleys lead to mountaintops, where you can turn back to you someone you can see that might be about ready to go through that same valley and be like, Hey, I've made it through. Let yes. me help you through this. That's right. That's absolutely right. Now let's go to the, those mountaintop experiences. What are, what's one of those or some of those from your life? Well, um, you know, clearly, uh, the, the, the times like, um, you know, starting off, starting out your, your married life and, um, having, um, experienced, uh, the birth of, of three children, um, the opportunities to um, live in, in a variety of places. Um, all of those have been mountaintop experiences. Uh, starting starting Focus Press was uh, certainly a, a one of those experiences as well. Um, you know, opportunities to kind of, I guess you would say, uh, feel like you're, you know, experiencing um, the the glory of God, so to speak. You know, some of those uh, some of those mountaintop experiences are, are would be some of those that I mentioned. Completely agree with you on that one. So we actually had a listener ask us to ask a question, and that question is, what book besides the Bible would you recommend to anyone? So you had someone that says, "Hey, I've been looking for a Christian." type book or a biblical type book, but that's not the Bible. What's something that you've read that you would 
suggest? So many. Yeah, there's, and you know what? <laughs> How do I narrow it down? If you want to give us your top three, top five, go for it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I take being a parent very seriously. And um, I, th- I think being a parent has been um, instructive uh, with regard to, um, you know, what what God feels like as a parent. You know, I think I think there's um, there's some some symmetry there. Obviously, it's not uh, perfect, but it's um, I, I think we get a taste of, uh, of of God's feelings when we have our children and they you know, do things good and, and bad. And we experience that. And so I love parenting books. Um, parenting by the book, I think is the name of it. John Rosemond. If you look up John Rosemond, you'd find, find that, uh, parenting by the book, I believe is one of them. Uh, saving childhood, uh, by, um, Michael and Diane Medved and, uh, then fathering like the father, and um, the last name, I, believe, I can't pronounce it, but it's G-A-N-G-E-L. Um, those, those are th- kind of top three for me with regard to, with regard to parenting books. Um, I, enjoyed the, uh, I enjoyed the Man in the Mirror series. Um, and it's, I, I'm kind of forgetting the exact title but it's something to the effect of uh, it, it has it deals with the the seasons of a man's life and I forget the I forget the the author as well um, but those are some of the some of my favorite uh, nine Bible books um, that that kind of come to mind and then there's there's another book by uh, Jason Jackson um, and it kind of speaks to what we spoke about earlier with regard to going through those valleys and them making you uh, stronger and better ultimately, uh, but not necessarily relishing the the moment. Uh, and the book that he wrote was called Stronger Than Ever. And it's uh, a personal book uh, in that he talks about uh, an experience, uh, a, a, an actual existential crisis in his life, uh, true life and death moment, and how that... Um, and he makes some some parallels between that and and other events uh, in people's lives, and how that you know, come out stronger than ever. Uh, so that, that's an that's an excellent book. I would recommend also Jason Jackson. And that one sounds good. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, we come to the end of our our time here, and like like always at the end, we like to ask our our guests to answer. Uh, the question that we always ask, and it comes it comes out of Second Timothy chapter two verse two. Uh, Paul's charging uh, young Timothy to find faithful men uh, and entrust them to find faithful men who are able to teach others also. Uh, and you know we've you know we've grown up in the church and we've we've been involved in uh, church things. I guess you could use the the term there uh, all of our lives and. Uh, from from preaching sermons to leading singing to serving on the table to uh, VBS to disaster relief to all sorts of uh, things that you've been involved in there, uh, what advice would you give uh, the next generation and the next generation after that? What advice would you give us to 
take those those words that uh, Paul charges Timothy there to heart and say, find faithful men who are able to teach others also, so we can continue this passion and this uh, work in uh, his kingdom. What advice would you give us? So I, w- I would say, from my experience, that it's essential that we try to get uh, young men engaged um, early in the work of the church, uh, get them exposed to it early, uh, get them uh, involved in it early, and to see it through, um, to provide mentorship uh, beyond Sunday, Sunday morning and um, midweek Bible studies. Take it as a, as a mentorship type approach. And uh, for uh, the women of the congregations, you know, take the uh, young ladies of the congregation under your wing as well. And one thing that I think that is important, because, and, I'm, and I'm thinking of um, some young men that I've um, been involved with in, um, in, in the past and, and you know, even, even to this day, is to remind them that um, we are all uh, flawed human beings and um, there's only one perfect human being, and, and that was, of course, Jesus. Everyone else that we read about um, in Scripture, everyone else that we know uh, or have known, they've all been flawed human beings. And yet they're also, uh, as we read about people in Scripture and as we, as we engage with people on a regular basis, um, they're people who uh, love God, and people who um, want to do what's right, even though that sometimes is executed imperfectly. And to not let Satan convince you that just because you've done something or you're doing something um, that is counter to um, Scripture, that you can't be used in God's service. And that God doesn't want you to be involved in his service. Because I think sometimes we, and, and rightfully, we stress you know, trying to do what's right. And, and then we should. We should encourage that, obviously. Uh, but we also should recognize that um, as imperfect people, we execute that imperfectly. And, and the devil likes to use that. Uh, against us, he likes to to wield that pretty heavily against us. And I have seen um, young people who have kind of gotten bogged down in that. I'm talking about people who are just on fire for Christ and His Church when they were younger, and then they got involved with some sort of sin or some sort of sins, and um the devil convinced them that they were no longer worthy. They were no longer needed. They were no longer wanted. Um, and that couldn't be the furthest, that's, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, God still wants them. Um, uh, and, and God still wants uh, all of us 
He wants us to persevere through that. He wants us to 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 obviously put away anything that's um, counter, and uh, to lay aside the just the things that are maybe weighing us down from being uh, more excellent in His service. But at the same time, it's a process, or it can be. And through it all, we need to uh, persevere and keep going. Um, remain focused, remain um, centered on uh, God's Word, and and absolutely don't um, lay down arms. Um, don't stop. Um, keep going. Even when you stumble, you know, just get back up and take another step. Or just stand. You know, sometimes we the best we can do is just just stand there, and then that's okay. Uh, but don't ever turn back. And so I, that 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 would be probably my my greatest encouragement is to um, encourage someone in that situation um, to come back um, and get back on track. Not let the devil convince you that uh, that you're no longer needed or wanted. And then encourage people to encourage people to encourage people. Exactly. Just keep going. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right on. No, I completely agree with that. I think the more you have, I, obviously you have to turn from whatever is entangling you. Right. You have to remove that weight, as you said. But then that's when get ready because now he's going to use you. Because now it's not you being so good that you get used. It's mm-hmm. you being so flawed that God's being exalted in you. Yeah. 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 So get ready. You're going to get used. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a good way. Yes. In a good way. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I, like I said, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm still um, not sure why I was asked <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I am only a minister in, in what I consider the broadest sense of the word. And, uh, you know, I'm just a I'm just a regular guy. What am I doing here? Why, why am I behind this <laughs> podcast microphone? <laughs> Well, surprise, surprise. We're we're just regular guys too. (laughs) (laughs) And we're trying to let God use us. Yes. Like you just said. There you go. So we really do appreciate you taking time and sitting down and having a conversation. We enjoyed it. Thank you. I enjoyed it too. Appreciate it.